a real conversation and some hard truths. Gangs, drugs, and guns, giving a voice to those willing to sacrifice. We have stories that need to be told. We have lessons that need to be taught. Protect and serve. Welcome to The Quiet Professional. Welcome back, everybody. Nathan Romas with you. Today, we're going to be talking uh, about some different topics. Uh, we're going to have somebody here that's got a, quite a history in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, we'll talk about life in another country. And then uh, transitioning to policing a little bit later in their career. So we'll get into it with uh, Rodrigo Resende. He's here in studio. Uh, Rodrigo was born in Porto Velo in the state of Rondonio, Rondonia, Brazil. But he grew up in Brasilia, the capital of Brazil. Rodrigo's father owned a judo school where Rodrigo began training at four years old. And he began training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at 13. As his level of training progressed, Rodrigo was invited in 2007 by Judo Canada to train here. And during that time, he traveled around Canada and competed as well as taught. In 2009, he moved to Edmonton to develop a BJJ program in three martial arts schools, and he eventually opened his own. In 2020, during the COVID pandemic, Rodrigo's schools were shut down temporarily. Uh, it's during this time that he applied to the Edmonton Police Service. And today, Rodrigo is married with two children, a constable with Northwest Division Patrol, and holds graduations of 5th Dan Judo Black Belt and 5th Degree BJJ Black Belt. So lots of accomplishments. Those sound pretty crazy. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the invitation. Right. And uh, yeah, we'll have a nice conversation here. Look forward to it. Yeah. I'm glad we could get you. And actually, uh, I see, I was looking at this today. I sent the invite back beginning of October. So it's been a while to get you in here. We're in the same city. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you, you guys are very busy here. And uh, right. And, uh, but I'm glad that we can make it. We yeah. could make it work today. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it'll be very interesting. And, and we were just saying before, too. Um, you said we have three Brazilians in the Edmonton Police Service now. Yes. Who are the other two? We have uh, Julian Ferrari. Mm -hmm. uh, she's also in Northwest. And uh, we have a uh, uh, recruit in my squad. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, Mateus. And uh, he's, he's also Brazilian. Just yeah. got into the service. Is, does he have a background in jiu-jitsu as well? No, no, he doesn't. Oh, okay. I play with the guys there. I say that the Brazilians going to take over Northwest there pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the one who's going to have to teach them all. So, um, well, let's start at the beginning, uh, and we'll talk about you know kind of growing up and what life was like for you. Sounds good. Yeah, I was. I was born in uh, Porto Velho, Rondônia. It's uh, in the Amazon area, north. Uh, part of the country. Um, when I was three years old, we moved to Brasilia. Mm. Right? My my parents were actually living before in Brasilia and my father had to move for work. So at three years old, I, I came back to Brasilia and was raised there. My father is a black belt in judo as well. And he had a school, uh, a gym, weightlifting and, and uh, judo 
school there. And uh, I was uh, this little guy that was around, like playing around in the school there with the kids' class and just like causing trouble in the school, <laughs> in the gym there while he was teaching his classes and everything. So I grew up like that, right? And mm. I would stay in the gym until he would finish, finish to teach his classes and then we would go back home. And uh, I was pretty much like that. I was raised in that environment. Mm -hmm. Naturally, uh, that became my, right, my my passion as well. And uh, I started to compete. Uh, throughout judo and jiu-jitsu, they are very close, very similar, right, with a little bit of focus difference mm -hmm. in the ground and on stand-up. So I started to train jiu-jitsu to help my judo ground work right i was about 13 years old and that became part of my 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 routine of training as well um when i was about 15 years old um i was um, um i wanted to take it a little more serious and i moved to sao paulo to a training center for athletes and uh, in that center there you just um young uh, teenagers from 15 to 20 years old. Uh, we live there, I study and train on a regular basis, very like a military kind of So it was like a, an actual school you lived at? Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a training center for judo athletes. Mm. So you wake up early, you train, go to school, come back, train some more, rest, <laughs> and train some more. <laughs> Right, with the very strict rules of like discipline and mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> that's how my competition career kind of became more serious, right? Okay. And, yeah. Well, before we get into the competition stuff, if we go back a bit, so mm -hmm. when you were a kid, what was growing up in Brazil like? You know, uh, I I grew up in a family that was like uh, mid. Uh, say mid-class mm -hmm. and right we didn't have a lot of money but also i always had the, the opportunity to study in good schools right and mm -hmm. and have access to to you know to education other things right that that maybe majority of the population couldn't couldn't have so i grew up in brazil was pretty uh interesting like it's different right and i'm sure that even like in the whole world things have changed a lot, but at uh, the time that I, at my time there, we were able to be on the streets and play more, right, and mm -hmm. and be able to have a little bit more freedom on, in, in that way, right, and uh, um, you know, I would say the difference that you probably feel as well today is a lot of electronics, right? Yeah. At that time, we didn't have much of that, so the playing kite in the street or run around or the culture is a little different, right? So it's a little like uh, uh, the, the street dynamic is a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking just like kind of uh, maybe just like neighbors get together more out in the street or is it, are you talking like uh, as a danger aspect, like maybe it's not as safe? In both ways. Mm. In both ways. We have to, in Brazil, we grow up with uh, a, a certain sense of uh, awareness of your surrounding because it is different. It's not as safe as this year. And we have to 
be aware of the our surrounds should be should be safe. And you need to learn that very, very early. Right? Really? Who to interact with, who not to, where to go, where not to go, right? Uh, when to run, yeah. <laughs> when to stand your ground, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so it's uh, interesting, like for instance, uh, playing kite, right? In the street, like things is small way, where I don't know if you guys had that here, like we put a like a glass on the line no. and it would fight like a, it's a, um, like a powder of glass okay. with uh, glue and we'll put on the on the line. Oh. So then when you fly the kite, you cut each other's, you put on like the first <laughs> 10 or 20 feet of the line and uh, the, the game was you cut each other's kite. Oh, off, wow. Right? And then as you did that, the kite would go fly and mm. then it's like 20 kids in the neighborhood running after the kite and then we get there and there was a big brawl <laughs> to get the kite. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting, yeah. I'm going to have to look up videos of this. Yeah. So this like uh, the dynamic, as you can see, is a little like different. This is natural, right? For mm. us there. So you grow up a little bit more aware of like, uh, you know, how to handle yourself or how to go because even in the games on our games are a little bit rougher and Mm. Right. Is that something that uh, you would say your your parents pushed you to though? Like, obviously, your dad has a school, so I would imagine he would want you involved in in the martial arts. But was it because of that aspect? Because maybe it's a rougher part of the world. Yeah, I don't think I don't. We don't know any better. Mm. So it's uh, that's that's like ingrained. That's our culture there. That's how I interact. Right. So majorly parents put uh, judo is very very popular in brazil because of discipline right mm-hmm. and uh and self-defense of course and jiu-jitsu more so towards the self-defense at the time that i started to train uh jiu-jitsu wasn't much for kids their kids didn't really train much i had to train with the adults oh jiu-jitsu was more like for, for it was an adult thing right mm. and, uh, so judo was what uh, parents would put on for discipline. Much like here is like taekwondo, there judo is very popular for that. Why would, why would you, th- or what do you think the reason is that judo is for more for kids to start in? How come jujitsu wasn't? Uh, jujitsu came from judo, from an old style of judo, mm-hmm. right? So the base, the creation of judo was with the intent of. Uh, um, develop the individual as a, a citizen, as a better person, right? As a, as a, a, a so it's to improve uh, moral uh, and physical skills, right? So it, it come, it came as a complete package, right? Yeah. Jigoro uh, Kano that created judo was a guy that was a minister of education, so he's a, you know, he came with a lot of values with that. When he came to Brazil, we, as I told you, the culture in Brazil is a little different, right? And, and uh, the jiu-jitsu became a little bit more like a challenge mm, okay. aspect, like who is the best fighter around mm. here? Very much that, uh, that vibe there, right? The graces would challenge other school, other martial arts systems. And, Right, and uh, a lot of the guys that were involved on that were like those bad boys with like big ears, 
walking with pit bulls around and everything. So, yeah. so that wasn't too appealing for parents mm. to have the kids on, right? My parent, my dad, for instance, he was an old school judoka. Because discipline is a big thing in judo, he didn't see that with good eyes. Oh, okay. So okay. I had a tough time getting to jiu-jitsu because of that as well, right? And I would had to be, as a kid, start to go into the gym, start to train with the adults, right? And visit the place and everything. So that was, wasn't something that uh, he was too keen on, neither other parents as well, because of that, uh, you know, that dynamic, right? Yeah, you know, and, and obviously not being from Brazil and <laughs> I don't know much about there, uh, I was kind of pictured uh, jujitsu as almost like you see Muay Thai in Thailand, whereas they send their kids off, you know, at like three or four years old and you live at the academy or at the school and Muay Thai is your life. Uh, a lot of that's done though because they need to make money for the family. So you're kind of raised there, you're making money to basically support a family and your career is done early 20s. But Jiu-Jitsu is a, a whole different kind of aspect yeah, no, we, we we're talking more about uh, like a different times, right? Mm -hmm. Muay Thai is a more established, is a longer, uh, has been around for longer than Jiu Jitsu is. Mm -hmm. So at that time, uh, they were trying to prove themselves on what, you know, that Jiu Jitsu was efficient, was better than other martial arts. So that for that reason, I think that uh, it was something that was not that friendly or not that uh, like educational or kids. Mm -hmm. oriented, right? Because of that vibe. Now, today is completely different, mm -hmm. right? So we had all these schools, everybody understood that with that, you don't move forward. I think you're going to migrate into the United States. They had to change, mm -hmm. the, you know, the approach and they understood that they wouldn't make money, they wouldn't progress, right? Jiu-Jitsu if they kept on the same vibe. Mm -hmm. So the creation, the UFC came on along with that intent, right? Uh, show that jiu-jitsu was the, 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 the most efficient art. And, uh, and after that happened, that they were able to establish that, then everybody calmed down, I think, right? and <laughs> including back home. And, right? So, well, it's exploded. Like, it's, it's a huge martial art worldwide yeah. now. Um, and that was one thing I was going to ask kind of later, but since you kind of brought it up, do you see things like UFC, the mixed martial arts? Is that just a natural progression, kind of where martial arts was heading already? Or is it, it's like, ah, they're just there to make money? No. Today, uh, MMA, it's a new, a new sport, right? A new discipline. Mm -hmm. Before, it would be a competition between martial arts to see who is more efficient. Right, yeah. so when you saw Hoist Grace fighting, was each one on your own style, and then they square off. Today is its own thing, yeah. right? All the athletes are well-rounded, right? Uh, some of them have a little more strengths in certain parts of the game, but all of them are playing the same game there, and they don't have to be uh, specialists on anything. So mm -hmm. they. The jiu-jitsu involvement with that, like in the intent of the Gracies, Orion to create the UFC, was to show the efficiency of jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. right? And I think that was the extent of where jiu-jitsu was, like the intention of jiu-jitsu with MMA was the 
is the point there. Even today, they say that the Gracies shouldn't fight MMA anymore because some of the older Gracies, they say that they, they shouldn't fight anymore because they already proven the, mm. right, the efficiency of that. So um, I see that as a different, completely different Jiu-Jitsu is a part of MMA, but it's far from being the main piece of that anymore, right? Yeah. Like Muay Thai, uh, wrestling, Judo, any other martial art will complement, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I see a lot of value in MMA because it brings it to uh, reality. Yeah. Right? A lot of martial arts are, are like uh, kata-based and like uh, uh, not so much, uh, how you say, uh, practical, mm -hmm. like on the practical side, hands-on, mm -hmm. right? And MMA, I think it, keep it keeps it honest. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, if, you, if you're not efficient, you're going to get your, your butt kicked. And that's right, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, having been in martial arts uh, for a number of years myself, and then also, uh, you know, just doing things on the job and some of the stuff we've been involved in, like you get into some real scraps here. And uh, you can see immediately how one martial art would be much more useful, much more practical than other ones. They all have their place, I would say, when it comes to like discipline. I think they all have that aspect to it. But as for what's useful on, on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah, there's definitely uh, a few that are kind of much above the rest. So... Um, yeah, it, it, every martial arts is good for its intent, mm -hmm. right? So, and how we interact. In our grandparents' time, mm -hmm. people wouldn't interact as close as we do today, mm -hmm. right? That was the distance, like a conversation distance would be a little bit more, a little farther than we do today, right? Mm -hmm. Places weren't as crowded. So, what was the art, martial arts at the time? Karate, right? Yeah. That was their thing. So yeah. because now we interact differently, we're much closer, right? And 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 the way that we our comfort with each other is, is the gap diminished a lot. So then that's why jujitsu became reference in self-defense. Mm -hmm. Because it's what for how we right for the, the, the occasion here, that's what is yeah. our speciality when we get close. So there is no such a thing, I think, as one better than the other. It's mm -hmm. just like for what it is, for what what is your intention with it? What do you what do you want to accomplish, right? And, yeah, and, uh, and you're gonna find the, the one for us. I would say that uh, you have to get hands on, right? So you need to know some grappling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you when I went through training, it was minimal grappling <laughs> that you yeah. learned. Like it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything of a high level. And I get I get that. Uh, they got to, you know, sometimes they got to, well, they always say teach to the lowest common denominator, but you have people coming in that are just have never been involved in any kind of physical sports even. So they have zero frame of reference. So there's some people who are really good at it when they come in and some that just don't have a, a clue when it comes to this stuff, when you got to go hands on with somebody. So, um, but we'll kind of get to that a bit later because yeah. I know you uh, are still involved in the jujitsu. Yep. Um, but uh, you were saying, so as you were growing up, the family or your father wasn't too set on you doing the BJJ stuff. 
and you were about 13 is when you got into it. Yes. So how'd that conversation go? Like what made you want to go into that? And then how'd that uh, conversation go with your father? Well, um, was my, the, the school that I trained judo uh, had jujitsu as well. Mm. So in the class was right after the judo class. And I liked to train ground all the time. And like, that was a good part of my, my game in judo as well. And I was always interested in learning more. The instructor of the jiu-jitsu instructor was also black belt in judo, Edson Carvalho, right? And uh, he, then that's how it, it came about. So he would allow me to participate in classes, but he didn't want me to be involved in competitions. Oh, right? okay. Or with the crowd, because the crowd would be very much like that, like, a, you know, bad boys, mm-hmm. right? That would go and, and go around on the beach with the big ears and pit bulls <laughs> full of tattoos and all that, that stereotype, right? Yeah. And uh, I was still 13 years, I understand, I understand him, right? I was 13 years old and he didn't want to be with a crowd of uh, older guys, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and be influenced in that way there. So so that was, was fair for him. So he would allow me to go there. That happened one thing one time that was interesting. Uh, I went, I was about 13 or 14 years old. And I was in a, in a pool club, like uh, on the weekend uh, uh, with my friends and everything. Not pool, I don't know, with my accent sometimes. <laughs> like the, you go in the water, yeah, right? Like a swimming club. A swimming club, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I actually thought you were talking about like shooting pool. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, a swimming club with my friends on the weekend. That was a jiu-jitsu competition going on. Mm. My jiu-jitsu instructor saw me there. And he needed someone, someone missed there, and he needed someone to fight, right? And again, didn't there was no kids category. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like 14 years old, but I was already like a, a blue, um, in Brazil is equivalent to purple belt in judo. And uh, he asked if I would fight. I was in front of my, my friends, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to say no. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I went in. And he put me in the in the adult category there. So and I was like two weeks away from fight nationals, judo nationals. Mm. So I fought the jiu-jitsu competition. The guy there, much older than me, got me into an arm lock very quick and he strained my arm pretty bad. Oh. <laughs> so I got home and uh trying to hide that my arm was hurt because <laughs> <laughs> the nationals were in like two months, two weeks. And he, well, what's what's wrong with your arm? I said, no, 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 that's all good. He said, well, you think you you fool me? Or right? <laughs> he started to pressure me. And then I had to tell him, right? But yeah, he was so mad, I can't, like, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I think that he realized that I, you know, it's something that I enjoyed. And he, he just allowed this to go a little further, but always keeping an eye on and being mm-hmm. there with me, right? And and focus a lot on, my focus was very much on judo, right? So I wouldn't have much time anyways to be competing, competing on both, right? But that, that day I made him mad. So you, well, I, we put a lot of time in training in judo. You're gonna, you know, we're gonna play for trip for you to go and fight the nationals and you go there and just mess everything up. <laughs> I heard a lot that day. Well, the nationals in any country, uh, for whatever it is, that's always a big competition, right? Yeah. Like, so, 
Um, I had to go in and fight the arm hurt and couldn't couldn't complain. Still went. <laughs> oh, I would. Oh, he said, "I don't want to hear complaints." <laughs> he will fight the stay. <laughs> How'd you do? No, I lost it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense, I guess. Well, but it was wasn't for the arm. It was a lack of skill at the time. Like the other, my my opponents were better than me. Well, they couldn't use the arm as an as an excuse that time. Hmm. What kind of kid were you? Did you get in trouble a lot or were you actually pretty disciplined? Like, I mean, you're starting this stuff early in, in you know, three, four years old. Uh, so. Yeah, no, I was, I was pretty laid back. Hmm. Um, my father was always, I think, one of the reasons why he pushed so much the competition is so to keep me focused on that and hmm. away from bad stuff, right? So that was a very smart uh, uh tactics, I would say, like, uh, of him. I was also um, quite uh, timid, like, uh, shy. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't much of a trouble, no. Just my goal was to, to train and I had aspirations of being Olympics and things like that, right? So it kept me out of trouble. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about, so you, your accomplishments, because, so you start moving to BJJ, you're progressing. And then uh, it was 2007 that you got invited to come train in Canada. So what kind of took place in between, like once you started jujitsu and that, that uh, led to you actually getting this invite? Yeah. So when I was uh, in that training center that I, I mentioned there, the, the four athletes, that place is like a Scouts come from other, from universities, from other clubs to look at you and then pull you to their, mm -hmm. to their place, right? So you can compete for them. So I went around quite a bit from 15 years old to 20, 21. I lived all over Brazil, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, competed for different clubs and universities doing that. And I went to the national team for the Pan-Americans and other competitions as well for Brazil. And um, my coach at the time was Sergio Pessoa. And uh, he moved to Canada a few years before than me. And he was at that time the coach of the Canadian team. Oh, okay. Yeah, I met him in, in, a, in a world championship. And I told him that I'd like to learn another language. And uh, maybe go to Canada because it's French and English. My father said, well, it'd be a good idea. I was in university. He said, well, longer you wait, right? You get married, you're going to get stuck here and you're not, not going to have that opportunity. So do it now. So I stopped my university for a little bit and uh, he sent me an invitation through Judo Canada. Wow. So I came in and I competed the Quebec Open mm. and uh, I started to get some invites to, to go do clinics seminar so I would travel around and mm -hmm. going like I was 22 years old right and had not much money didn't have much money so they would pay me give me a little money and then let me sleep at the gym oh, really? so I would stay one week sleeping on the mats there during the day they would run you know go around the city and at night I would teach the classes mm. I would know how to speak any English and so that's how I I learned there so yeah and uh I went there around there a little, like that a little bit. At the time, I uh, was close to the Pekin Olympics. And Keith Morgan, who is Albertan, 
he was the guy that was going to represent Canada for the fourth time. And he didn't have much big guys to train. So Nicolas Gill and Sergio Pessoa also would send me mm -hmm. uh, like uh, tickets to come, go back to Montreal to spar with him, right? To help him prepare for yeah. the, the Olympics. Eventually, uh, they hired me in New Brunswick to, to be the to stay there and teach. And uh, that's how I, I ended up never going back to, to, to Brazil, right? Yeah. So during the week, I would teach the judo. Then they learned that I was black belt in jiu-jitsu as well. So during the weekend, there was no black belts in the province. During the week, they would guys that would train jiu-jitsu blue. There was one purple belt. And they would come from other towns. And on the weekend, they would train jiu-jitsu with me. So then, okay. And uh, so that's how, how it kind of came about to come to, to Canada and staying here. So did you ever think about going somewhere that's not so cold? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they tricked me when they, could, they, they invited me to come to Alberta. They said it wasn't that cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come here in the summertime. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because me being uh, uh, grow up in, in Brazil that uh, all year round is summer practically, mm -hmm. right? Now, we do not uh, think much of summer. We don't take advantage of, of that as much, right? It's just another day. Yeah. Here, we give much more value on each, right? Each uh, phase of the year. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and winter is beautiful, right? It's just a little long and a little chillier than, <laughs> than I would like, but it's beautiful. It's a good place to be. Well, I've always said you can, I mean, you can dress up for winter, but when it's plus 40, it's hot and you can only dress down so much exactly. before you get arrested. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we think about like, we're not by the beach all the time, right? In Brazil. Yeah, so yeah. Why, why do you want to need to um, wear suits or cops with mm -hmm. all the vests? And yeah. Right. So uh, one thing I wanted to find out about was the ranking and the belt structure in jiu-jitsu and I guess even for judo so there's because you're fifth Dan judo black belt and fifth degree in jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. I'm guessing Dan and degree are same. the same yeah when you get to a black belt uh how do you like what's the test to become you know first second or third Dan like, what does a test look like for that there's different different ways to approach that Right, uh, some of some people get it by merit for competition mm. achievement, uh, or for teaching what you do for your sport to develop the sport. There is like more like a, you know, say a, as an instructor, as a leader, what's the work that you're doing there, or a mix of both. Right, so I was always a competitor, and uh, that's. You first do a test for the black belt, and after that is the is that like it's merits, right? So, and when time comes, your instructor, like, uh, will will how say uh, indicate you mm -hmm. for the next degree, and uh, and you get award there. So that's how it went for me. Some people have to do tests all day, the way, and up to a certain degree, right? So. Yeah, so I just think of long ago when I was uh, doing like karate and those things, they had like an actual overarching board 
that kind of set these standards and it's like, well, you do your patterns and then you would show, you know, I can, I know this move or that move. Um, and then it's like, if you met the standard, they give you your next belt. Is there anything like that in jujitsu or judo? Yeah. Judo much more than jujitsu. You have that, uh, set standard and, and you have to uh, know certain techniques in order to achieve, uh, you know, certain degrees. Mm. And, um, there is everything set. Jiu-Jitsu is so new that okay. uh, there is not such, right? Each instructor or each school, each lineage mm. has its own understanding of what you need to know in order to be in that level, right? So when an instructor comes to you and says like, you're, you know, you're ready, I'm going to give you a black belt or the next degree in it, they're essentially just, they're putting their name on the line. Exactly. Yeah. A black belt is a state of competence, like a motor and, and like maturity competence on a mat or as a fighter, as a, in, in combat, I would say. doesn't mean that you know everything, that you know all the techniques, right? Mm -hmm. But because you have trained, you motorily, you know, competent and uh, you understand the concepts of the, the combat, mm -hmm. you likely to learn other skills and other techniques much faster than somebody that have just started, right? So a black belt, I see a black belt as a more as 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 that, right? As someone that has that uh, concept, then has and feel understand and feel the concept, than someone that know all the techniques because that gonna vary, right? Yeah, I know people that uh, if you ask them to teach or to show. You know, show me 10 techniques, they won't be able to. They're mm. black belts. We put them to fight, they'll kick everybody's butt, right? So yeah. you're going to tell the guy, like, that's not a black belt. I can't, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like even within the, I guess, the the ranks, everybody's still got their, their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So Exactly. And like I said, it's very, one thing I like about jiu-jitsu is uh, very hands-on. Mm -hmm. Like, you... Uh, it's not just like knowing the techniques, but how can you apply that in combat, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know 20, but when push comes to shove, you can't use one, Yeah. then to me is more valuable the guy that knows, that can use one in a real situation there than know the 20 techniques. Like if I ask you to demonstrate in somebody that's not reacting or anything, right? So, mm -hmm. so um, Let's move into maybe a bit about you. You're in Canada. You've been doing all these seminars. You've been uh, fighting in a lot of competitions. What does your career kind of look like, and how does it progress to uh, you owning your own gym? Yeah. So when I came, I was still very young, right, 22 years old, and uh, competitors mentality, right. Uh, I was telling my students that. Uh, was kind of a little bit of an asshole to my <laughs> students, like expecting them to, you know, perform as an athlete or be in training because that, that was my environment, right? Mm -hmm. Very harsh and, but, and, and high expectations and everything. So it was pretty hard to train at that time or to be a student of mine at that time. And eventually I wouldn't understand, I start to understand more like the, the, the values of, or my, my place as an instructor, right? Which is, help someone have a better quality of life, right? Understand how to defend themselves, mm -hmm. uh, be more confident. And all those benefits that uh, are the true 
goal of the martial arts, not, in, not just that little niche of competition that I was emerged in. Mm-hmm. Um, that was someone that brought me to Edmonton. His name is Steve Bartley. He's the guy that uh, that uh, brought me here and did the work visa and everything. And uh, he's a Taekwondo master. And uh, he was uh, uh, in love with Jiu-Jitsu, mm-hmm. right? Uh, always liked it. He had uh, instru- another Brazilian instructor here. And uh, that guy left to Brazil and he was looking for another one. So that's when he brought me here. And he was the one that taught me how, you know, that mentality there. He's older than me today. I consider him my older brother here in, in Canada, right? So he's one of my black belts, one of my students. But in reality, I'm the one who learned from him. Like he, he guided <laughs> yeah. me without letting me know, right? Uh, well, I think kind of what you're saying too, it's like uh, a lot of people say, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do what the 20-year-old me used to do. Mm-hmm. But also you're going to look at on the flip side. The twenty-year-old you can't do what, you know, whatever age you are, exactly can't do what you do now. Yeah, because you lack that maturity. Maturity, yeah, yeah, big time. And Steve had the maturity to guide me through. Well, he needed jujitsu and judo, right? And the instructor here, and he needed the, the the content. He had it, but he didn't have the maturity mm-hmm. in me, right, to build the program or to get him. So he was, he had that uh, that. Uh, why he was wise enough to to guide me through the process, teach me right slowly. Sometimes he would say, "Oh, Rodrigo, you shouldn't do that." And I said, "Man, that's how it is back home, and that's how we're doing, right?" So, <laughs> like, I just couldn't understand. And he he's the one that showed me that, right? And at some point, he said, "You're not training like Olympic athletes or you know high level. You you you're training family mm-hmm. people that will work every next day and don't want to be." All broken up, people that uh, can't even shake somebody's hand looking at the other person's eye. That's how you, that's where you're going to make a difference, right? In somebody's life. And then slowly, surely, he got me to, to understand that. <laughs> so, uh, how'd you open this school and, and talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I taught a few years uh, and for him in his school, and he would rent me to other schools as well. Like a MMA school and another Taekwondo school that that uh, to develop a Jiu-Jitsu program. Um, eventually, um, I got my my residence, the permanent residence, and then uh, he helped me open. He taught me how to do the business, open the my own schools, right? So I he is in the South Side, and uh, I decided to live in Spruce Grove. So I opened my school in Spruce Grove, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that was the the process of like uh, trying error, a lot of trying error. Him guiding, okay, this is how you're gonna do it. And like it's it's a it's a different process. Like I was a white belt again, right on the business side. Yeah. And I had to relearn everything how it goes. I and mean, he is, in fact, the one that uh, guided me through the process there. So, um, yeah, it, it happened. I, I consider myself someone very lucky, mm-hmm. right? I had the right person. I always had the right person. I was the, the right uh, place. I had the right opportunity at the right time. So things happened for me. So like from me coming to Edmonton all the way to open my school, uh, there is more credit to Steve to <laughs> help me do that or teach me how to do the process than actually me, right? Well, and um, when you're training there, 
like how big do, did the school get? How many students did you end up having? Well, we end up having, of my own, I end up having like three schools. Mm-hmm. Steve have one, Southside. Now we have like almost 25 black belts. We have, I have black belts that own schools around, around town, right in wow. other places. And uh, so we have quite a bit. When I came here, there was only two black belts that were recently promoted to black belts in the province. So in the whole province, in the whole province, wow, yeah. So jujitsu was very, very new, right? Like not much, not much of understanding, not much around here. Today, we have like I would say over two hundred black belts around the province. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful to see, right? Yeah, uh, and the the level of jujitsu is quite high. Mm-hmm. You that doesn't lose anywhere. The guys go to Brazil. The guys go to. America, anywhere, they, they can compete equally with anybody there. So, um, yeah, that, uh, I kind of lost myself. No, we were just talking about, uh, you know, opening your own school and then just Open. how how many students you end up having. Should, yeah, kind of so, like. yeah, my, in my, in Spruce Grove, we had over 300 students. Wow. Then I have one in Fort Saskatchewan. Uh it's a smaller school there, but it's still one over 100 students there. And uh, I had one in uh, San Betrayal that I opened four months before COVID shut down. Mm. So we ended up losing that school, but that's why I'm here with the APS, right? <laughs> uh, Steve has a very successful program as on the south side. It's a lot of a lot of people there. Um, What's the uh, school called? Elite. Okay. Elite. Yeah. Well, I'll call Elite now. I... I opened this quiz initially with my name. Mm-hmm. After coming to the force, I, I switched out to Elite, right? And, and uh, so Rob Thompson in Leduc. So uh, we have, we have uh, people all around there, right? And uh, Jiu-Jitsu is very, very popular in town. Yeah, that's really cool. Not just me, right? They're yeah. very, all the competent instructors that have done a great job here in the province. And, mm-hmm promoted jiu-jitsu around. Uh, and how involved are you still in the whole program or any of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm involved on the, on the creation of the program, maintenance, right? Overseeing everything, but uh, much less on the teaching part. Yeah. Right, because uh, conciliating the, the job with, <laughs> yeah. But uh, luckily... By the time I got into EPS, I was my schools were very established. We have quite a few black belts that uh, that do a great job there and take the load and uh, do an excellent job, maybe even better than me. And, uh, <laughs> my the, wife do the, the the business part. Okay. Of the, so I I'm left with the fun part. I yeah. go there to the mats. I I have fun with them. Teach when I'm there, mm-hmm. but uh, they do most of the have lifting now. So uh, during COVID, you ended up jumping from teaching full-time and running these schools to the police service. So what was kind of involved with that thought process and how was that transition for you? Well, he, when I, I always wanted to be involved with police. I think if I didn't immigrate to Canada, I wouldn't end up being in the police force there. So when they shut down the schools, I thought, I thought that this would be my last opportunity to, to get in and starting to get old, 
know how long <laughs> they, they won't say if I wait too long, they don't want to hold you all broken up. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw that as a great opportunity to go in and uh, right and, and plus the stability right at that time. Whoever owned business, everybody that owns business wouldn't know what what was going what was going to happen. We didn't have any stability. It was very scary, financially wise, right at that time. So uh, that's how I end up uh, getting into that. So uh, everything worked out. Like I said, things worked for me for some reason. Uh, I'm a lucky guy that way. When I went through the recruit training, the school was shut down, so I didn't have to conciliate. Being at the Jiu-Jitsu school, I managed that with training academy. Um, after uh, the schools reopened, then it started to get a little busy, right? To get into the the balance between both. But I think today is, uh, we got uh, we got it figured out. Things are are more right, are more balanced there, and people. Mm. Well, and even uh, I guess if the schools shut down. It's not, I want to say it's not so risky trying to go through another process for another job at the time. I mean, everything shut down. So you had some time on your hands to do this application process. Did you find it hard going through the process or was it pretty quick for you? Well, it was quick once once I applied. But what was hard is like I have never, uh, uh, the language was, it's, it's the struggle, right? Mm. Because I had never studied English like uh, formally before. Mm-hmm. So the next day that uh, they shut down the schools, I bought that uh, police prep program, the online oh, yeah. program. <laughs> yeah. And I locked myself in my office for like a month and a half. And I started to study for the ACT and the E-Prep. So my formal English education, study that I have to prepare was just this month and a half there. So that was, was tough. And going throughout the, training as well, learning law and everything with English. Like I, I would have to, like it's double of the work for me than for my my <laughs> fellows there. I had to go through all that. So that, that part was was, uh, was challenging. But um, my process, my whole process, once I apply all the way to get uh, hired, I think it was like two months. Two oh, or three wow. Months. So That's real pretty, fast. Yeah. Went pretty quick, was... Was nice, was and because I I wasn't working, right? The schools were shut down, mm-hmm. and I had time to go to all the appointments and do things mm-hmm. a little bit more, a little faster, right? I think uh, when you're talking about learning the language through police or police studies or this book, yeah, I'm surprised you don't come up with just swearing a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch myself because. <laughs> uh, so now you get into policing, uh, and as you're going through training. One of the things I really wanted to get your perspective on was uh, uh, the tactics. So, and not so much like tactics with uh, firearms or, or driving something, but like the defensive tactics. So, mm-hmm. when it comes to all the punching and kicking and controlling people and holds, and uh, obviously you have quite a background. And we've already talked about, you know, you got to cater to people from all walks of life. What. What do you think, because um, I already know the police could do better in that world, but what do you think they could do better on, if they, especially if they got to appeal to so many people? Is there, uh, 
Like, I, I don't imagine they could have the time to just implement a full jujitsu program in there. But no. uh, what could they do better on? Yeah. Well, that's only my opinion. Someone that has mm-hmm. been two years on the street and like uh, not much police experience. From what I have noticed, right? Uh, this area, not just in here, but all around the world is something that uh, it's still in progress, a working process, progress, right? Uh, they try, depending on who is ahead of the program, will tend to have to be influenced by the background of martial arts that they they have and thinking that the, that that style is the one that's the best mm-hmm. to fit use of force and everything. And uh, I don't think that way. I think that... Uh, that uh, especially been teaching for so long, it's impractical thinking that uh, that someone that uh, gonna go through six months of uh, recruit training with no previous experience can be proficient at uh, a martial arts to the point where they can uh, get in uh, safely, right? Every time, yeah, getting in a, in a scrap with somebody. Mm-hmm. I see control tactics as its own martial arts, right? And then, uh, the martial arts can help uh, officers in the sense of like uh, self-awareness. Because uh, if you know your limits, you know when to touch yes. someone or not touch. We're very resourceful, right? Mm-hmm. We also have a belt. We have our own black belt, right? Mm-hmm. With all the tools that we have. So... I think control tact is more about uh, decision-making. So give them opportunity to understand their limits, their limitations, what there is, right? What is to be attacked? What is some position, some joint manipulations to get into cuff and things like that. But mostly show what they're going to face in the street. Show some, yes. what is somebody coming in with a knife with you, right? And how can I put the hand on somebody with the knowledge that I have, for some people, yeah, for some people, no, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say that that's more like a decision-making thing than the actual one martial arts that go in on, mm. right? Yeah. I, if I have a partner that's a boxer and we're arresting someone and I need him to help me and we're in an ugly situation, I don't want him to jiu-jitsu with the guy on grab. I want him to box because that's what he knows how to do, right? Yeah. So, so that those considerations is what we need to to try to implement into the the training in a certain way that uh, that way we can accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe on that, I know jujitsu was is kind of developed as you don't have to be the biggest person in order for it to be uh, effective, even against a bigger opponent. Yeah. But do you find that? Does that translate to police work? So if I'm if I'm a guy who's 160 pounds, and then I got to go arrest somebody who's 220, mm-hmm. I, I maybe we'll take skill level out of it. But would they be able to be effective against a person like that? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so because it's based on leverage, right? And, mm-hmm. and like I said, each martial arts, there is no best. What's the best martial arts? What what we're going to accomplish the job. Yeah. What jiu-jitsu is, what's the speciality of jiu-jitsu, right? Joint manipulation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 
takedowns or pins or holds. And that's in reality what we have to do on the street. Do that in the safest way possible, right? It's the safest way to, for you and for the subject, right? Yeah. So I think it's necessary. A lot of the, the, the aspects of Jiu-Jitsu, a lot of the techniques, they are effective, right? It's just a matter of picking which one can be more learnable for mm-hmm. someone that's going through that's going through a six months training there, right? Uh, and um, and how to approach that and understanding the limitations of well against who can I do that? If things start to get ugly, how do I I retract? How do I yeah. disengage? Right to access all the tools and things like that. So definitely, jujitsu has a lot to offer, but it's not like it doesn't resolve. There is no one art that resolves the problem. Mm-hmm. Is it's I like I said, it's its own martial arts. Yeah, right? it's a collaborative eff- effort, and to get to a good point there. I think, uh, like you were just saying too, the biggest thing I always took away from martial arts was more knowing about myself. It's it's not about knowing how to attack necessarily or how to do something to this other person, but it's it's more about knowing your limits. So uh, yep. knowing like a good example is uh, when we work, we walk through venues and there could be a thousand people in there and you're, you know, rubbing shoulders with all these people. How comfortable am I doing whatever needs to be done within inches of another person, right? And you don't know if they have a weapon, you don't know their skill levels on whatever they might know, but it's it's how comfortable do you feel with what's going on in front of you right now? So uh, I think that was one of the biggest things I always took from it, but all, and also knowing your limits so you don't get injured. Um, yep. That, that was probably one of the, the most important things I always found. Uh, do you think uh, that's something that you might go into in the future? Is that where you see maybe you're kind of geared towards going into like tactics instructor here or do you got other aspirations? Well, that is definitely one of my passions, right? I have been doing that for a long time. I, have, I had a good exposure now to uh, tactics training with core Mm-hmm. on the last few months because I got injured and, and I was seconded there for the last three months. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, so yeah. That, there's a very good opportunity for me to learn with them, right? And what were their challenges, what they're facing there, how, you know, what, what they have to work with and uh, their approach to like use of force, understand better use of force, right? And, and things like that. So um, it's definitely something I'm interested to. But police is so broad, there's so many different areas mm-hmm. that every time I see, I talk to someone from different unit, I go, oh, that's cool. I, I, I would <laughs> like to do that one day, right? So, Well, you got 25 years, one year in every unit, you can do yeah. all of them. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can do a lot. Like, you, you, one thing is you can't, you can't get bored mm-hmm. here, right? You, you, there's, a, there's a bit for everybody. And there's a lot of cool stuff that uh, that I would love to learn. I'd love to be involved or participate, right? And and that uh, and I'm sure stuff that I don't even know yet. Every time, every day, I meet with somebody different, and then I see them doing stuff. It's so nice. That's I would like to do that too. So yeah, I will see how where it's gonna take me, right? And what? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? There's a lot of things you never see until you could be ten years into your career and. 
you yeah. didn't even know something was a job on this in this service. So yeah, I mean, I'm still like uh, grasping the the basics here, trying to understand the right how how the basics done and and to eventually be a good candidate or be someone that can learn, uh, you know, for a, a, a specific unit or a specific mm-hmm. position, right? So, go nice to be learn as much as I can from everywhere, everyone. And mm-hmm. From when the opportunity comes, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat ready. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to get your opinion on too was, there's always a lot of talk about uh, chokehold versus restraint, like neck restraints. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you keep up at all? Like, do you see a lot of the media on this stuff? Yeah. So what's kind of your take on that? Is that, are people saying the wrong terms and, and then therefore going off on tangents on in the wrong way? Are we not using the proper terminology? What is, what's going on with this whole debate? Yeah. In my opinion, um, it's a matter of public perception. It's, that has nothing to do with the, the technique being more dangerous or less dangerous, right? And now, threshold to use neck restraint or chokehold, whatever you want to call, it's very high because of lack of knowledge from who is, you know, evaluating the use of force and from who is using use of force as well. It's mm-hmm. important to use that proper, right? I would, in, in jiu-jitsu, I teach kids seven years old how to do chokeholds. So I don't understand why cops can't be taught and, and, and trained and proficient to use that in a safe way, right? And cause less damage to the subject, right? And be safer doing that. Many situations I have seen where a chokehold could easily resolve the situation and a higher level of use of force had to be used because mm-hmm. it didn't meet the, the threshold for the chokehold yet. So, um, but this is a, I think it's a slow process, right? Uh, and um, eventually, I don't know what has to be done or I'm still too new here to understand what the process, what has to be done to make people understand that. But uh, yeah, I'm, that's my, my take on that. I think yeah. it's, if it's done properly and it's a great tool in a very low threshold to control situation to, to get it. Well, especially when you're talking about, um, you know, somebody who might not just be able to use pure strength. And if we're not, uh, if I'm not a black belt in something, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have that skill level yet, but if I can learn a few basic things, I find one of, you know, something like using the neck restraint or choke hold or whatever it might be, um, if it's taught properly and applied properly, that could save the lives of someone who's much smaller, much lighter, not generally as strong as maybe the subject they're dealing with. So I think that's where it really comes into play. Definitely. If my nine-year-old daughter <laughs> latches on into a rear choke on me and she doesn't let go on I top, she's going to put me out. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. she's on my back, she's behind my neck. How am I going to take them? She's it's properly placed on, right? And it's not just for the safety of the officer, of course, it is there, but for the safety of the subject as well. Mm-hmm. You get like a mental health person that uh, you could potentially put them unconscious for a few seconds there where the limp, you can put them in, in cuffs and things like that. It's much easier, much uh, safer for them. Um, 
right? Uh, the next restraint, like within five seconds, while well applying on the jugular, yeah. in five seconds, a person can be out, yeah. right? And uh, how much damage, how much, uh, so that they'll be out for a few seconds, enough time for you to put cuffs on. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we play by the rules. That's how it goes. Right, yeah. and, and right now, that's uh, the rules are that uh, we only use that for for GBH death and that, that it is, right? So Yeah. Uh, your kids, they, I imagine they're, take jujitsu? Uh, no choice. No choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, go to school with math. And, uh, <laughs> That's good. Um, what level are they? What? what uh, they, uh, my daughter is uh, gray and black in jujitsu and yellow and white in judo. And my boy is a gray belt in jujitsu. I take it very, they have to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no choice, but uh, um, I, I let it go very, very easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. I don't teach them myself, yeah. right? Because I wanted that to last. So, yeah. and they already see that a lot. They have me at home, so I don't <laughs> want them to get sick and tired of it. Yeah. It has to be very ludic, very fun for them, right? So they go in, they do it two times a week. They do the other sports as well, mm-hmm. right? And And learn while playing yeah that's the the goal there do uh do you think one of them is probably like they'll continue with it and maybe see it through to like bigger aspirations at all yeah you know um maybe yeah my they still change a lot so my 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 daughter is very girly and uh she has she's artistics uh Mm. uh you know uh aspirations and and I don't know if she will I want her to do enough long enough that she knows how to defend herself mm-hmm. right my boy he's uh, yeah he, he I can see him like uh, being more competitive he is a competitive soul so wanting to to take it further forward right and he likes to scrap he likes to yeah. you know he's a typical like a seven year old boy full yeah. of energy <laughs> <laughs> play with my friends and yeah, it's a little shit it's a little shit now. <laughs> that's right i yeah. saw you wrote that in when you sent me the list yeah. for the bio i yeah, was laughing at that he is a he is a hands full yeah uh and we're kind of getting to the end here i won't keep you forever but uh um when you were jumping over to the police did the did your wife or even kids like did they have any kind of opinion on policing here in canada yeah uh well, my my wife, she was a she was afraid, right, of uh, of police in general. Like here in Brazil, of course, here she is a little less concerned, but uh, um, that was that was a concern on her part of me we start to have to deal with right situations that I can control and mm. being well, do what we're proposed to do when we sign yeah. up for the job. My kids do not have an understanding mm-hmm. at all. They're proud to have their dad be a cop. They love police, and right, and so they they like it. The only thing that they don't like much is they schedule. And they, uh, my yeah. son said, "I like that you police that, but you can quit now because I prefer you to be more with me here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, he used to me having more time, right? My more boss of my own time, and mm-hmm. with day schools and that suffer a little bit. They suffer a little bit more with that now, but. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's, a, it's just a normal and general preoccupation 
that every family has with their, right? We sign up to do whatever has to be done. And uh, the job is, it is what it is. And, and, and they, they are aware, aware of that, right? Yeah. Um, is there anything you think we missed that we didn't cover? I think we kind of got through all the topics we had sent. No, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think we have talked to, to, to a lot of this stuff there. Um, where I can't think of anything. Is there anywhere that people uh, might be able to follow you, or do you do you keep like any social media or no? Yeah, I have uh, the schools have uh, the social media. I'm not too too involved. I'm not the one who who really mess Runs with it. it. We have the person <laughs> that that uh, that do the the media and the stuff there. I have my personal page there as well, Rod mm-hmm. Campus, and uh, yeah, and I, I guess like all our blue brothers and sisters know where to reach me on uh right my my phone number there and uh on the service and anywhere you find me if you're interested in in train right and get more involved i'm always one for that like we have uh now more openings and opportunities to train within the service right a good a good momentum going on a lot mm-hmm. of people interested we're meeting a lot in Northwest that you train. There's other black belts in the service as well, right? Tony Chin, which is mm-hmm. a great competitor, a great dude as well. And um, Curtis Carson, mm-hmm. also, right? Great instructor, uh, also black belt. And and all the very skilled uh, practitioners there. So um, I would, the more, it is, uh, I would be a happier Brazilian here <laughs> if I see more <laughs> of the guys and girls uh, involved on that right and wanting to to learn more and well tony's actually coming on the podcast next week as well he is awesome so um we'll get into jujitsu with him because he's also got a few recent accomplishments too so yes yes uh and yeah i'll post the links Uh, i'll get you the links from you so we'll post those for the school and then people can kind of follow along or join up if they're interested in that sounds good but um i want to say thanks for coming in today Uh, Appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Anytime.